Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stacking the Box. I am Matt Verderam. It is August 23rd, and we have a very important and we have a very different show for you today. Uh, and I will tell you why. So originally, this was going to just be a normal run-of-the-mill show, um, but that's not going to be the case this time around because Mark Carmen is going to Ireland to watch his Northwestern Wildcats as they open up the college football season over in Dublin. Uh, but when he comes back, uh, Carm will no longer be doing stacking the box. He's going elsewhere. And I won't say where because that's Carm's business, and I'll let him handle that when he gets back uh, from across the pond. But uh, we've had our last show together, and so uh, I want to be the one to tell you. I'll tell you who's going to be replacing him in a minute and what to expect this upcoming season. But first, I wanted to give a few words on Carm. Listen, I have worked with Mark Carmen for seven years. Uh, we've done this podcast together for almost five. Uh, he took over when a uh, good buddy and still coworker Josh Hill uh, had some some change in his workflow and he couldn't do it anymore. And so Carm stepped up. And depending on how long you've listened to this podcast, you kind of know the story. But for those who don't, um, you know, Carm took over as the host. And Jeff Schwartz came in for a while and did a year with us, and that was great. That was for a lot of the Chief fans out there. The year they won the Super Bowl. Um, and then Carmen and I have been doing it ever since. And, of course, Ben Heisler since joined us and become a staple of the show. And Ben will, will still be here. He's not going anywhere. His, his role will remain the exact same. Um, but, you know, you work with a lot of people in your life, okay? And most of the people that you work with, you – you say goodbye to it at some point and you think sparingly about them as you move on. It's no, no knock on that, but it's reality. You know, you, you don't have, you don't have every second of every day to sit there and think about those who you used to work with because those people have moved on. They have their lives. You have yours. So on and so forth. Right. Carm will not be one of those people for me. Um, Look, we make fun of each other all the time the show. We make fun of each other all the time off the show. We have, we have a lot of fun. We're goofy. Um, but, you know, Carm has really been there for a lot of the moments in my life that have really mattered. Carm was at my wedding. Um, I was invited to Carm's wedding. Uh, regrettably couldn't attend, but would have loved to. Um, you know, we've spent time together away from work. And... The best compliment I can give Carm is he's one of the best people I know. I don't know anybody who knows Mark Carmen and doesn't love him, doesn't have a, a nice word to say about him. He is the epitome of what you'd want in a friend. And um, I will miss doing the show with him greatly. But I'll also just miss being around him. 
uh, as much as we've been around each other for these past seven years. And, you know, look, I think the one thing that has to be said, too, is we we've known each other for seven years. Our lives have changed a lot in those years, you know, both at work and away from it. Um, but on a personal note, Carm has often believed in me more than I've believed in myself at the moment. I mean, he's always been somebody. We talked last night. Um, and, you know, we left that conversation with him giving me a lot of words of encouragement. I mean, he's he's always felt um, greater about me a lot of times than I I have in, in, in this profession, just not because I don't have confidence in myself. I certainly do, but because you know, Carm has always seen uh, more in me maybe than I saw in that, in that initial moment. And that's a rare quality in someone to, you know, not only try to make themselves successful, but to lift up people around them. Uh, and Carm's always done that. Uh, you know, he's always, always been a team guy, a team player. He's always been there. And that kind of brings me full circle with this podcast because you know, this was my baby. This was my brainchild a little over five years ago. Carm didn't have to take this thing seriously. Carm didn't have to necessarily care. I'm sure it was his job to show up and do the pod. And, you know, it was one of his many jobs here. Um, but he didn't. It wasn't as though Carm was going to be looked upon any differently if he just kind of showed up went through the motions like he has he has his own podcast in, in the windy city right and he has he has other responsibilities this was something that was kind of foisted on him but arm was always somebody who you always want to see you always want to be around and um i think i think there's something to the idea that when you want to be around somebody all the time when you want to see them on a day-in, day-out basis, that that speaks to who that person is. And, I again, I can't give a higher compliment other than to say genuinely, Carm is one of the best people I know. You know, it's not just, oh, yeah, he's a good guy. Carm's like, one of the best human beings I know, personally, professionally. The place he's going to, is not only getting somebody that they're really going to enjoy in the workplace because of how hard he works, they're going to enjoy him because of how good of a person he is. And I'll miss him greatly. I'll remain friends with him. Um, but these are things that happen. They, they move on. And, I, and by the way, I should also say, well, I can't see where he's going. Um, I don't feel like that'd be right. I'm very happy for him. I'm very excited for him. I will root for his success every step of the way. And I know he'll find it. Um, that's. That's where I'll leave it. Um, I I also should note, as my producer Sean notes, he does still owe me dinner. Son of a bitch. I've got to make sure I get that before he, he heads out of town. Okay? Um, but I <laughs> – and I'll collect. I'll try to collect in a big way. We'll see if we can make it happen. But I, I, I miss Carm greatly. Um, I already do. That being said, to spin this thing forward, um, I want to note that we're not going anywhere. The podcast is not going anywhere. In fact, it's expanding. So we're going to have the Tuesday shows we do all the time throughout the entirety of the week. Okay, that that's not going anywhere. We're going to be here. No worries. And I'm going to announce who the new host is, or co-host is in a second. Um, like I said earlier, Heisler going nowhere. Same deal. We're also now going to have a Sunday show. It's going to be in the mornings. 
It's going to be an hour before kickoff. It's going to be 11 to noon Central, okay, 12 to 1 Eastern. Um, I won't go over the whole thing, but we're going to preview the whole week. Rapid fire. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I hope you all are there for it. I look forward to it. I think it'll be a good time. Um, so you're going to get double the stack in the box during the season. Uh, well, again, the Tuesday show, Sunday show. And I, I really think, look, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I really I really look forward to being a part of it, doing more of it. Um, hoping to have some clips, you know, maybe coming out more and more and more on this channel. So if you aren't subscribed on the YouTube channel, please do so. Uh, I think you'll you'll enjoy it. You'll get a lot more stacked in the box. Uh, the downside is you have to see me. These are things that we have to deal with. Um, all right. With all that being said, have a new co-host. And he's also somebody I've worked with for a long time and know very, very well. And is somebody who I think personality-wise will fit right into the show. And is somebody who I, I trust tremendously with his NFL knowledge, his college football knowledge, something where I certainly lack in. Uh, and that is going to be Cody Williams, who's going to be joining us here in a second. Cody is uh, an editor at fanside.com. He's been in the company forever. He might even predate me, honestly. If he doesn't, it's damn close. Um, Cody is going to have a lot of fun with us here this year. We will. I, I feel like the tenor of the show is not going to change much with, with uh, Cody coming on board. Uh, we will introduce him here in just a second. But I think Cody um, is, is going to really – Slide right in seamlessly. Obviously, Carm, big shoes to fill. But at the same point, uh, that's the nature of the beast, right? The, the show must go on, and it will go on. I am not going anywhere. Heisler's not going anywhere. We're essentially making a Cody for Carm trade. I feel like uh, there, there's good value on both sides. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, going forward here, with who is now my, my third co-host on the show, Josh Hill, Mark Carmen, and now uh, Cody Williams will be here on the Tuesdays. On the Sunday show, we'll, we'll – Get into that a little bit more maybe next week as some things get finalized. Uh, but I'll be here for Tuesday and Sundays, um, and uh, I, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a lot of a lot, lot of fun um, as we as we get uh, as we get everything rolling. So with that, uh, Cody, uh, welcome to uh, Stack in the Box. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Uh, you're right, Carm is a big shoes to fill, but uh... it's Carm. Carm. Carmen, told you guys have a ton of fun. I'm going to miss the show tremendously. Tremendous hands, double tremendous. That's three. And uh, I'll be be in the content. So uh, we are, by the way, live. There is some noise. Uh, The Walter Athletic Center on the campus of Northwestern University about to head off to the big game Saturday. Cats and corn huskers. Uh, so I got I got 38 seconds, but I love you guys. Well, uh, we, we love you too, Carm. We we also this, this is fitting that you're you're just in a field somewhere trying to do this podcast. So that that is about the most fitting way this could have possibly ended. Carm in a field, you can hear every fifth word. Um, that's that's perfect. That's perfect. Well, thank you for popping on, Carm. I, uh, I eulogized your your podcast at the time here, so you can go back and listen. Uh, but this this was fitting. This is of, of course this would be the the way that, that this is you know the end. Thank here you. So, Love you, Carm. That's Carm. That's Carm. Cheers together, buddy. Cody, good. Thank you to all the listeners. By the way, appreciate everybody's support. 
There he is. Mark Carmen for the last time on Stacking the Box. Oh, I'm sure we'll have him as a as a guest at some point. Uh if no if for no other reason to make fun of him or the bears or, or whatever we can pop crash. Um yeah, that's uh so Cody. I mean I, I kind of gave you an intro, man. I don't know if I did it justice. You want to just kind of tell people who you are, give a little background on your uh, uh your football life. Oh yeah, it's been quite a football life. NFL Network's already, you know, got the rights to it. Um <laughs> But uh, so I started with Fansided as a contributor about seven years ago and worked with Vertoram closely then. I think you had just started. So we our timelines very much coincide at Fansided and um, worked as a contributor there. I bounced around all the network sites multiple times. And then I ended up at NFL Spin Zone, the all encompassing NFL site on the network. I worked there as the lead editor for about three, three and a half years. And then last October, I got hired uh, with fansided.com as kind of just a general sports editor. But now I'm heading up the college sports section. But as Vertoram can attest, I uh, I still very much contribute with NFL and a whole lot of other stuff, too. But I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you. Um, we're going to get right into it, right? We've got a, we've got a packed show. It's the same show as it normally is, again, except for uh, – for, for Carm being out, although now we, we had a Carm appearance and it was about the most fitting thing possible. Um, all right, so we're going to go into the future. We're going to jump right into it. What is more likely, the Saints or the Vikings winning their division? Uh, for me, I have the Saints winning the South, and it's it's pretty close, honestly, but I think that it all comes down to the competition within the division. I mean – you know, the Panthers and Falcons, I think, have a chance to be two of the worst teams in the league. And so that's conceivably four wins for the Saints right there, because I do have some faith in Jameis Winston. I mean, he was good last year before he got hurt. And then you look at the Bucks, and obviously they have Brady, but that offensive line is falling apart. Like they already have two very serious interior offensive line injuries that they have to worry about. And then on top of that, uh, they actually have a really soft opening schedule that I think they could start four and one. The back, the last twelve games are a little difficult, but I think with the division games, you know, really boosting their confidence, I think they can get to ten wins. And with the Bucks' current state, I think that opens the door for them to potentially win the South. Whereas the Vikings, I just don't see them as a better team than the Packers, just point blank. Yeah, I debated this because on one hand, I'm like, well, the Packers have had multiple heartbreaking playoff defeats in recent years. Rodgers, I know, is coming off back-to-back MVP years, but you do wonder, like, at some point here, does, does he start to decline a little bit? Their receivers have declined. Um, but I love the Packers' defense. Yeah, I think the Packers defensively are going to be a lot better than people think. Rodgers will make those receivers better than they are. And I just I, – I cannot, in my mind, get past – like, Kirk Cousins has to beat out Rodgers in that division. Like, that ultimately – and I'm not even, like, a Kirk Cousins hater, but, like, I can't, I can't get there. I can't look at this and go, yeah, I think that's going to happen. So I'm with you. I'm going with the Saints. I picked the Bucks. I picked the Bucks to go to the Super Bowl back when the schedule was released. That was before Ryan Jensen got hurt and Aaron Stenney got hurt. And now we're not sure if Chris Godwin's going to open the season on time. And Mike Evans has a hamstring injury. And Tom Brady just got back from a vacation. I, I, we don't know why. Like I, I have a lot of concerns about the Bucks. If you ask me, do I think they'll win the division? Yeah, I still think they'd win the division. I would still take them. But who's more likely is the question. I think the Saints are a pretty like, – look, if you put the quarterback aside with the Saints, they're really good. Like That team is a really talented team. The question is just what Jameis Winston are you getting? Are you getting 
decent Jameis? Are you getting resurgent Jameis? Or are you getting, oh my God, 30 interceptions again, Jameis? Like that, that's the also like Dennis Allen, good as a coordinator. I don't know what the hell he is as a coach, but uh, I'm willing to give him a shot here. Yeah. And I also like thinking about the Vikings, like I'm still worried about the defense. I actually think the offense and Kirk Cousins, I think Kevin O'Connell is going to be great for them. Like I think, you know, if you're a fantasy player, target Vikings in your fantasy drafts because I think that offense is going to be really, really productive. But at the same time, I'm still worried about that defense. Like they didn't look good under Zimmer and part of that might've been Zimmer, but also yeah. I think there's some weak weaknesses personnel wise. So I think when you're looking at that team and then you have a Packers team who, you know, their floor is so high because Rodgers is on that offense. And then you have a defense that I think could legitimately be a top five unit in the league this year with all yeah. the talent that they've acquired. Yeah. I think, I think that that just makes it incredibly unlikely for the Vikings to, you know, usurp them in the division. I still think the Vikings can make the playoffs, but I think it's, uh, Unlikely that they win the North. All right. So who is who is going to have more receiving yards this season? Is it going to be Gabriel Davis, who a lot of people think is going to break out in Buffalo, especially after that playoff game you had in Kansas City, four touchdowns? Or is it going to be Juju Smith-Schuster, who obviously is coming to Kansas City from Pittsburgh after spending his first, I believe it was five years there? Uh, I – I'm I'm one of the people buying a Gabriel Davis breakout season, and so I'm going with Gabriel Davis on this one. And honestly, I think it's because of the role that he's going to play in the Bills' offense more so than, and that may, might sound counterintuitive because I think Juju is going to be the you know top target getter or wide receiver for the Chiefs. But it all comes down to like the types of targets that those guys get. When you look at uh, Juju's like last couple of years in Pittsburgh. In 2020, he had an average depth of target of just 5.6 yards. And then last year it was 6.1 in the little uh, limited amount that he played. Whereas opposed to Davis, he had an eight out of 12.9 last year. And that was down from 15 uh, in 2020. So you're looking at those downfield targets for Davis. He's more of a, you know, a big play wide receiver. I think Juju probably like leads this competition in receptions. But I think if we're talking more receiving yards, I think the types of targets that Davis is going to be getting is going to, you know, push him ahead in that category. You know, man, it's funny. I sat there and literally deleted and re-put it in my answer like five times because I really – I I've loved Gabriel Davis since he was a rookie. Like I really, really liked him. Um, and I wasn't shocked last year in the playoffs when he had the game that he had. And not, you know, I don't think anybody expects 200 yards and four touchdowns, but I thought he could be very much productive. Um, I said Juju for one reason, and you actually alluded to it. I think he's going to have a million receptions on this team. Like, mm -hmm. I just think the volume of it. The other question I have, and you're right, like he saw a lot of close to the line of scrimmage type targets in Pittsburgh. I also look at that and go, is that because for Roethlisberger last year, a deep ball was like a 10-yard pass? Like, I, I don't know that he'll be used like that in Kansas City, right? We're like Mahomes. Like, all kidding aside, the question should have been, who could throw the ball for further at this point, Roethlisberger or Mahomes left-handed? Like, I actually think like it'd be a borderline competition, right? Like, oh, absolutely. So uh, there's a part of me that says I think Davis and I think Davis is going to go over a thousand yards. By the way, I think he's going to be very, very good this year in Buffalo. Because if you're playing Buffalo, how do you defend them? Well, you've got to roll coverage over, over Diggs, right? I mean, you have to. So Davis is going to be seeing all these these situations, you would think, where he's getting man coverage, he's one-on-one. -on -one. I think he's going to eat. With the Chiefs, Kelsey's always going to be their number one target as long as he's there. But I think with Juju, 
it's hard to double him because they're going to just spread you out with all these different guys, whether it's Moore or Hardman or MVS or Kelsey. Or, you know, so um, I think it's really close. I just I think it's going to be something where Davis has like seventy catches for a thousand yards, and Juju has like ninety four catches for eleven hundred yards or something like that. I, I think both are going to have very good years. Yeah, the other thing that worries me too is Juju's already been banged up in the preseason and he's coming True. off an injury. And so I wonder, like, if he's going to be getting that volume, I wonder if he has the ability to hold up too. So that that also factored into me going with Davis because he's not a guy who's really had a whole lot of injury history That's right fair. now. And he's, I mean, like you said, they're in similar situations in terms of they're not the number one target in the passing offense. So they're going to have favorable matchups most of the time. Very fair. I think uh, that's all true. Schuster's been dealing with Smith. Schuster's been dealing with a knee, sore knee. Doesn't sound too serious, but he has been out for almost a week. All right, let's stay in the AFC. Does Mike Tomlin have another winning season? I put this on here because for those who don't know, and I'm sure you know if you follow football, he has never had a losing season. I believe he's had a couple of 500 years. Of course, now that's impossible to have. Um, do the Steelers win at least nine games this season? I, I just can't see it. I really can't see it. Like the one reason that you would point to would be the defense. Cause this defense is still incredible. I mean, there's yeah. stars at every level. Well, maybe not linebacker. I take that back, but there are stars at multiple <laughs> levels. Yeah. yeah Devin Bush doesn't that, qualify anymore. Yeah. Right. Um, but I mean, you look at this defense and they barely eked out a above 500 season last year with ben, Big Ben at the helm. And granted, Big Ben was a shell of what he once was, but I still think the offense is going to be worse specifically because of the quarterback play. The offensive line hasn't notably improved. Like, I, like that offensive line is absolute dog shit. Like, it is absolutely terrible. Did you see the clips of K Kendrick Green getting absolutely bull rushed multiple times in the last preseason game. It was yes, horrendous. Yes. And he started, he started at center last year and like they're now he's in the left guard competition. So like they don't have answers on the offensive line. I mean, they have the weapons, obviously, you know, Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, you know, they have weaponry, but yeah. Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett is throwing to them. And both of those guys are, you have Kenny Pickett who is clearly not processing the field. Well, like that's why he hasn't won the job yet because he's putting up numbers, but you watch him and he's not going through his progressions the way they want him to. And you have Mitch Trubisky who we've seen. And the only reason he's in the quarterback competition is because he's, mo he's mobile. And so they think that he can buy time when behind this awful offensive line. And so I just don't think the offense is good enough for them to be above 500. Of course, I feel like there is some voodoo magic in the works and you say that it's impossible to finish 500. Watch Mike Tomlin go eight, eight and one this year. Watch it happen. He did have a tie last year against the Lions, so we should <laughs> yeah. be laying out. Um, you know, man, I thought about this because there's a part of me that I, I just completely agree with you, and I'm like, look, th their offensive line is atrocious. I mean, that is one of the five worst offensive lines in football. They cannot block. Okay, and Roethlisberger, who was basically a corpse with a helmet last year, I, I mean, one thing about him, he knew the offense and. Get Get rid of the ball quick. At least somewhat mitigated that front. If Kenny Pickett's back there, like they're probably going to call a bunch of quick hitters, but he's not going to be things as easily. The other side of that is I've seen Steelers fans say, well, now without Roethlisberger, they'll be able to stretch the field. They can't block. There's no mm -hmm. way to block. However, all that said, the other side of me is like, Tomlin always finds a way. And that team last year was horrific. And made the playoffs. How playoffs? I have no idea. I remember 
when they got in, they played Kansas City in the wild card game. And I had multiple people who follow the Steelers who like who were real like actual followers of the team. Were like, yeah, they're gonna win that game. I was like, bro, there's no chance. There's no chance in the world they're winning that football. <laughs> and after getting a seven-nothing on a on a TJ Watt score of all things, they proceeded to immediately give up 42 straight points. I look, I I have to come down on this as I do not think they're gonna have a winning season. First of all, Cincinnati's really good. I do not think they're going to regress like a lot of people do. Baltimore is the, is the forgotten son of the AFC. Everybody and their mother forgets about that team. That team won eight games last year and basically had me starting for them. Like the Browns, I don't know what the hell to make of the Browns. So like if you're a Steelers fan, you want to sit there and say, hey, we're better than them. Okay, I can hear that um, based on the suspension. But that is not going to be an easy schedule. They are going to play a lot of good teams. Um, I I think they're around 500 because of the coaching and the defense. But that offense, man, I just I feel like they're going to get in a lot of games where they're going to have to score 23 points, and it's just it ain't happening. They they have no ability to move the ball. Yeah, I agree. And then to your point about the Browns, like. Is Jacoby Brissett that much different than Baker Mayfield in terms of like the ceiling that it gives the offense? And so, like, if you look at it through that lens, like all the other pieces are basically the same. And so, and the Browns were a better team, in my opinion, at least, than the Steelers last year. So, I mean, you know, you say you split that series, that's one and one. And I think the Steelers could go one and five in the division pretty easily. You know, there's a part of me. I think I think Mayfield's better than Brissett, not like wildly, but I think he's better. Um, yeah. But I, I just think the Browns are a crap show, like an unmitigated <laughs> crap. You know, like I, if you're in that locker room, you've got to just be like, what, what the fuck's happening? Like, what is going mm-hmm. on day in day out? Right? Like maybe now it's a little more settled because you have the suspension. You know, it's what. But I mean, you you can't. Let's put it this way: you can't feel great right now. If you're a Cleveland Brown, you can't be like, you know what, guys, this has gone really, really well to this point. Like, I, I do believe in that stuff. Like, I think at some point there is just like, I will say this for the Steelers. They will be focused on winning football games. That team will come out and be, which is why, by the way, I think they'll be around 500. It's the same thing I think about New England. New England, I think even has less talent than Pittsburgh. I think New England, talent-wise, is borderline awful. But mm-hmm. I think we'll win seven or eight games based on the fact that they will not beat themselves. They will outcoach like four teams that they play. They'll beat them just based off that. And Mac Jones will have two or three games where he plays really well, and they'll win. And then you'll have teams that are more talented than both those teams that win six games because it's just mm-hmm. an absolute disaster from the second they get into the building. No, you're 100% right. I don't like – I don't know how that locker room looks at everything that's been going on and is completely focused on football or has been, I should say. But yeah, the Brown the Browns are a clown show. It's unbelievable. It's well, I mean, you know, look, everybody's like, well, you know, the Browns, how could they be this bad for this long? Just just look at a picture of Jimmy Haslam. That's how. Okay. That's how. <laughs> There's a common thing. It's like when your buddy dates like 50 different people and it never lasts longer than like two months. And you're sitting there, and he's like, you know, I don't know. I just can't figure it out, man. I don't know what the problem is. It's like, well, the common denominator is you. So you're probably mm-hmm. the problem. Like you, <laughs> it's either you or all 50 of these people. It's probably you. 
And with the Browns, like it could be these thousands of people who have passed through the organization over the last decade, or it could just be Jimmy Haslam. I'm going to go with Jimmy Haslam. Um, all right. Last thing we got to get through here before we got Heisel coming in here in a few minutes. If you combined the Falcons, and I say this because they played on Monday night, night before recording this. If you combine those rosters, and I, you can put them in either conference, probably the NFC because it's easier conference. Could could and would they make the playoffs? You know, I this is a wild thought exercise, but I have to go with no. I mean, the Falcons might be <laughs> the absolute. Yeah, like the Falcons, in my opinion, are going to be the worst team in the league. Like they're they are unbelievably bad. Like they got apparently uh, from what I read about training camp reports. The Jets owned them all week in joint practices. The Jets, yeah. without Zach Wilson, with Mekhi Beckton out. The Jets, who are in a bad spot, dominated the Falcons all week in camp. I know what happened in the first half yesterday, but, like, I don't care. Like, the Jets weren't playing their starters. Like, it doesn't matter. And, like, then you go to the Jets' side. The reports before Zach Wilson's injury were that Joe Flacco looked better than him in camp. I've seen Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco play recently. That's not a good thing. That's a horrible situation to be in. I like. I honestly think that I'm high on the Jets' future. I like a lot of the pieces that the Jets have on the roster, and I think in 2023 they could be considered a sleeper. But I, I think that when you combine the injuries that are already piling up for that team, and you know Zach Wilson being out, and the fact that these guys are young and inexperienced, I think they're still at minimum a year away. And the Falcons are a lot of years away. And I hope they really enjoy Bryce Young and CJ Stroud next year because that's what's that's where they're headed. If you're Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, you're either like, hey, Atlanta's a cool city, and like you're excited about that. You're like, oh, please, God, no. That roster's so bad. I've been to Atlanta, cool place. I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't mind it. But I think, look, the bottom line is, hell no. These teams, I was sitting there watching some of that last night. I'm like, these teams are atrocious. By the way, I'm with you. I think the Falcons are the worst team in football. Okay. I have, mm-hmm. I have, I, I would argue that most fans five players on the team. And I, and I wouldn't blame them. Oh, yeah. I mean, they are brutal. But then you look at the Jets. My question is, who is the quarterback on that on that proposed team? Who, Marcus Mariota? Like He's supposed to make the playoffs? If you combine – okay, so now what is it? Like when you- Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You go three wide with this group, right? You've got Pitts. That's great. You have who exactly? You have Garrett Wilson. You've got Corey Davis. And then I don't know. Drake London. Drake London, right? I mean, it's got to be the two rookies, right? And then you've got Corey Davis. Like, it's it's if those rookies are good, it's okay. If they're not good, it's abysmal. Like I their offensive line still wouldn't be good. It's it's just it's so bad. I was literally watching it thinking if you took these two teams, put them together, they'd maybe win six games. It's oh yeah. It is hideous football. Let's bring in Ben Heisler, managing editor over at Betside. Of course, joins us every week. Heisler, what's going on? Welcome to the party. 
Fellas, Cody, congrats on the uh, the new hosting opportunity with uh, with Verderam. Uh, I got a chance to, to meet Cody Matt when I first got going here, once he started hosting Green on the Greens with our guy Ian McMillan. So Cody's locked in, man. Like already a couple winners uh, on the PGA side, on the NFL side. This is a perfect fit. So uh, excited to keep this going with uh, another familiar face. Well, you yeah, know, I, I thought actually... you were going to bring up the fact that I worked at Wendy's, Ben, because that was actually the first time that we met. <laughs> yeah, we were, telling, we were telling stories about like our first jobs. And you know, I was like, I, you know, I worked as a grocery store bag boy. And then Cody's like, well, where do I begin? And like there was that, 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 like all these insane jobs that you had from back in the day that, that really make for some good stories. I, I don't want to tease all of them, but I feel like you know, now that you're going to be co-hosting the show, inevitably a handful of them are going to come out over the course of the conversation. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure I can relate the Falcons and the Jets to my time working the late night drive through at Wendy's pretty easily. <laughs> you know, look, I, I, I never had a job that I was like, this is, this is really bad. Although I, I did, I did work as a telemarketer at my college, which that led to some interesting conversations, but uh, you know, cause they give you, they give you a script. And it's it's the telefund, right? So you, basically, what you're doing is you're calling up all these people who've graduated and you're begging them for money. I mean, that's essentially what like the damn school doesn't make enough, okay? And so you're calling up these people, and you you get this huge stack at the start of the semester, and it's like here's Marge, and she graduated in 1940. You know, like <laughs> son of a bitch, Marge has got to be like 90 some odd years old, and like the stack of people that you start with, they've never donated, right? So. I graduated in 2009. So you've got a factor that that person had been graduated for 65 plus years. Call up. <laughs> Most of the time, they don't even answer the phone. Right? Who, I mean, shit, they might have passed away. Who knows? Right? They don't even answer the phone. Right? <laughs> then, then you get. You got a good reason not to pick up the phone. Right. Selfishly, they don't pick up the phone because they passed on. And so now I got to call these people while the phone rings and the EMT's zipping up the bag. And there, there's nobody answering the phone. And then, and then I've got to, I finally get somebody on the phone and I've got to read this, this godforsaken script. It's like, hi, I'm Matt Verderam. I'm a sophomore here at SUNY Oswego and I'm with the SUNY Oswego. Tell it, you know, I'd click. So after about the 10th time of doing that, I was like, I'm not reading the script anymore. I don't care. So I call this guy who's from like just outside Boston, Massachusetts, or at least he lives there, answers the phone. Kind of gruffly. Who is this? What? I'm like, yeah, listen, hi. Uh, you know, my name's Matt Verder. I'm, I'm at Tunia Speakers. Are you asking for money? And I, I didn't even answer him. I was like, Ted Williams is the greatest hitter of all time. <laughs> and he was like, he is the greatest hitter of all time. And then we had like an hour long conversation, excuse me, conversation, and he donated money. And from that point on, that did not always work, by the way. But from that point on, <laughs> that was it. Like I, I would just come up with anything I could possibly think of to talk to these people, get them on the phone, keep them talking. That had to be the worst job I ever had. But the late night drive through a Wendy's probably beats that by a pretty significant margin. Yeah, the worst part is I'm not even sure that's the worst one I had. So we'll get into that, I'm sure, in the future. <laughs> we'll get there. Of course, you've got high Cody is the people learn is a degenerate gambler. And so uh, we'll absolutely the under on joey chestnut's hot dogs was an absolute lock so that was an easy win well I, i'm the joke because you're winning money and i'm making fun of it. all right what do we have for uh, today 
Yeah, so we had some fun last week going through some of these crazy playoff liabilities for some of the sports folks. And we were talking about your guy, Derek Carr, uh, how all of a sudden he's moved up the charts from where he was to start the, the offseason for leading the NFL in um, passing yards and touchdowns and how he's become the most bet on name. And now all of a sudden sports books are panicking a lot uh, with somebody like Carr went through the list of rushing leaders. I, I wanted to bring up the bet MGM top three biggest liabilities to make or miss the playoffs and get a sense of whether or not you think it's a good bet or not. I have a feeling I know where you're going to go, but based on the odds that are involved, maybe you change your mind. So let's start with the the number three team. We'll go three, two, one on this list. And I'm curious to hear from you guys here. The Minnesota Vikings opened up at plus 100. So basically even money, you bet $100, you'd win $100 for them to make the playoffs. But they're the number three liability on the board. So they do not want the Vikings to make the playoffs. They have since moved their odds to make the playoffs from even money to minus 115. So a $115 bet would win you $100. Good bet on the Vikings at even money to to make or miss or excuse me to make the playoffs this year. I think it's a good bet. I mean, I we actually just talked about you know whether or not the Vikings or the Saints were more likely to win the division, and I think they're less likely than the Saints to win their division. But I think to make the playoffs, I think that's a pretty fair bet. I'm high on the offense under Kevin O'Connell. I think it's going to be actually a pretty special unit because all the talent that's there. I think Kirk Cousins can maneuver offense that's you know more catered to him, which I think O'Connell will do. I am slightly concerned about the defense, but also like I just think that that offense is going to carry them to probably 10 wins. And so I think that's probably enough in an NFC that isn't deep in terms of quality of teams. I think that's enough to get the playoffs. So even money, yeah, I like those odds a lot. What do you think, Varun? I do too. Oh, here, so here, here's how I look at the NFC. The Rams, the Packers, and the Bucks. I think are the three locks to make the playoffs in some capacity. Okay. I think – Cody's Cowboys here, I, I think, are probably a good bet to make the playoffs. I like Philly as well. The Niners, if you have a, a good version of Trey Lance, are a playoff team. After that, Panthers and Falcons, garbage. Okay, Seahawks, garbage. Lions and Bears, I don't think the Lions are total guards. I don't think they're a playoff team. The Bears are a, a, a landfill of, of a franchise. Giants, not good. Washington, I think it's good. So that leaves you basically with the Vikings, the Cardinals, and the Saints. Um, I think the Vikings are at least one of the top two teams in that group. And even though I said it off the top of the teams, like one team will probably get hurt, one team will underperform. So, yeah, I like the Vikings to make the playoffs. I like them too. And I think there's a reason why you saw some of that money move. It's because – there is confidence that their offense is going to be far more, I want to say far more productive because the numbers that Cousins has actually put up over the last handful of years have been fairly impressive. Now, a lot of it is empty calories, but um, it is an offense that is going to better match up with him ability with his ability to try and get the ball out quick. Uh, you have Justin Jefferson already have taken two monster steps in his first two years. Uh, hopefully, Thielen can keep himself healthy. Um, their, their tight end this year, Irv Smith is hopefully healthy as well. And then the offensive line should be better. So you're right. Like that offense is going to be good. And I still think they have a decent enough pass rush, uh, in a bad division where they should be able to get themselves to at least, you know, 10 wins. The over under for them is nine with a lot of heavy movement towards the over. So I think that's setting up for Minnesota to probably back in to at least one of the late wild card spots for, for 2022. So I'm with you guys. 
I think even money, if you got it then, is a good bet. Even if you get them now at minus 115, I still think that's a strong number to jump on. Here's the second team on the list. And we talked about it a little bit last week, so I'm curious to get Cody's take on this as well. The Detroit Lions, uh, the public is betting on heavily to make the playoffs. Now, their win total is only six and a half, but they are five to one to sneak into the postseason out of the NFC. That line has since moved from five to one to plus 350, so three and a half to one. If you're betting on them now, three and a half to one, do you feel like that's still good value for the Lions to at least surprise some people this year? Uh, see, those are two different questions to me because I think I think they are going to surprise some people. I think they're going to be better than that six and a half win total is set, but I still just don't see them making the playoffs. I think that, I mean, I think you have to be impressed with the job that Dan Campbell has done. Like we, we were talking earlier about Mike Tomlin's always going to have the Steelers ready to fight. Dan Campbell's going to have these guys ready to fight. There's no question about that at all. But at the same time, like, you know, I'm counting two losses to the Packers right off the bat. Like, they're not – they just don't have the talent to match up with the Packers. I think the same could be said for their matchups against the Vikings. So, you're already putting them at two and four in the division. So, that's, a you know, an uphill climb from there. And I just think making the playoffs is a really tough ask for this team who, let's face it, Jared Goff is still their quarterback. That's going to limit your ceiling offensively. I like some of the pieces around him. I think that offensive line is actually quite impressive. And I think the defense is going to be improved. I actually bet their alternate win total at over seven and a half because I think this is an eight-win team. I like that a lot. I got that at plus 155. So I really like the value there. But that's still eight and nine is not going to get you into the playoffs. I I actually agree with Jay Ward. I think they're more like it. I actually go with seven win. I, I think they're about a seven-win team. Um, look, although it could get to eight. Uh, Jared Goff, Jared Goff quarterback in that team is like if you just stick with the Detroit Motor City idea of a reference. It's like if you look at a car and you're like, wow, that's a really nice, you know, that's a Dodge Charger, souped up. That's a really nice Dodge Charger. And then you look under the hood and there's no engine. Like, oh, okay. And 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 then Detroit's like Dan Campbell's like, look, next year we're gonna draft an engine, but this year we gotta push it. All right. Well, still, it's a nice looking car. But you got to push the damn thing and lose its value. Okay. And so I, I like the Lions pieces. I believe in the front office. You got Brad Holmes there. John Dorsey's there. John Dorsey said, whatever you want, you go find me somebody who's drafted better than John Dorsey in the last decade. I mean, he is, he is drafted. He built that Chiefs team in a lot of ways. He went to Cleveland. He built them into a playoff team. Um, and I like Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell's one of those guys that players will love because he's real. Like that's that's you you're not getting you're not getting the Matt Patricia like I'm Bill Belichick. No, you're not Bill Belichick. You're Matt Patricia, which is why you're fired. Like this is now a real coach who actually is a real person. I think Detroit's frisky and I think they're tough and I think they're gonna beat a couple teams this year that you're surprised by it, but I can't see him in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement on this assessment as well. I'm going to take your analogy one step further, Verter. I, I like the the cop for for Goff leading this Lions team with a nice looking car, but there's no engine. I, if anything, I, I think collectively as the team, the the only way that they can make that car run is to have it be like a Flintstone car, where all of them are moving their feet collectively together. Like there's a lot of good pieces that can move the car forward, but if the guy who's driving the car can't really do anything it can only go so far so they're going to be competitive but reaching for the playoffs especially with some more improved nfc teams now it's not it's not the afc where you have what nine ten teams that have a very realistic shot at, at making the postseason maybe even more it is a very very tough conference but the lions at plus 350 at least at this point does not feel like the value we thought 
it'll be compelling because I think for the first portion of the season, they'll be hanging around, hanging around, thinking that you have a chance to cash in on three and a half to one odds. Probably not going to happen, at least for this year. Final one on the board. The New York Jets at nine to one to make the postseason is bet MGM's number one liability to the point where they have now taken that bet off the board. They haven't even adjusted the odds. They're just saying, you know what? We, we have so much money on the New York Jets right now at nine to one to make the postseason that for us to even put it back on the board doesn't even make sense for us. Oh, it is oh. a long, it is a very difficult conference. But if you're going at it with nine to one odds, do you see any value in the New York Jets possibly making the post? But see, this shit always kills me with betters, right? Like I you feel like, oh, you know, this this guy put a thousand dollars down on the Bears to win the Super Bowl at 75 to one. It's like, no, 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 no. He set a thousand dollars on fire with 75 to one odds. Like that that's what he did. Like, let's be realistic, right? If you are betting on the Jets to make the playoffs. You are you are betting on about eight other teams in the AFC forfeiting games because there is no world where the Jets should make the playoffs in the AFC. Think about just take it from this perspective. Think about the quarterbacks in this conference: Mahomes, Carr, Wilson, Herbert, just in the West. Okay, then you've got Ryan in the South. We'll see it with Trevor Lawrence. I still believe in Trevor Lawrence quite a bit, but we'll see. You have the North: Lamar, Burrow. You've got you've got Watson at some point, put, even putting him aside. Then you've got Allen in the AFC East. You're telling me that the Jets are going to find a way to make the playoffs. Uh, Cody and I just did a segment on this where we said if you combine the Jets and the Falcons, they still would not come close to making the playoffs. Sands being combined with the Falcons, I think the Jets are about a five-win football team. Their schedule the first three months of the year is brutal. Uh, I am. I am. I don't care if they give me fifty to one odds. I, I wouldn't bet on the Jets. Yeah, uh, this reminded me of the scene from The Office when Kevin Malone says, "If someone gives you ten thousand to one odds on anything, you take it." But ten, uh, nine to one is not ten thousand to one. So I, there's no way I would touch this bet. With like this team, like I told, I told Vertoram, like. I think that the Jets, I like a lot of the pieces. I really do, but the pieces don't fit yet. They're, it's not The puzzle's not complete. And, I mean, Joe Flacco's starting the year at quarterback. And with a brutal combine that with a brutal schedule, like, my God, this is not going to be pretty. Like, you're, like Verderham said, you're bet, I don't think you're betting on eight, you know, injuries or bad things to happen. But, like, you're basically betting on, okay, if Josh Allen and Mac Jones both got hurt, maybe the Jets could win the AFC East at eight and nine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's what you're betting on. I, yeah, that makes a ton of sense, especially given the fact that there's just too many other teams in their way. And that's what I think it is. You're right. It's it's the the Kevin Malone theory with far <laughs> shorter odds, um, and you're more likely to take the, the big pot of chili and spill it all over the floor with whatever money you decide to put down there. So I, I'm. it's weird that all three of us are in agreement. It's probably a terrible sign for things to come. But sure enough, 9-1 yeah. to one, not the juice far, not worth the squeeze in trying to consider a New York Jets team to, to come and, and make the postseason, especially in that division. And and by the way, a little bit later on on, on Daily Bet Slip today, Donovan Spoon and I are going to be talking about worst to first teams based on their division odds and, and who is likely to be that team this year. I, I can tell you with almost certainty that neither of us are going to be taking the New York Jets. Either. If it's not the Ravens, who the hell is it? Denver? It, I don't know. It's 
the Ravens were at the top of my list, and, and if I I'm to really starting to consider anything else, I, I feel like that's a time to panic. I mean, I mean if you want to roll, I, I think you can make a case for the Jaguars. They have an adult in the room. You know what? You're not rolling there. Yeah, We've talked and, about that and, and yeah. Denver is also possibly worth consideration, but again, I have concerns about their defense. Uh, it's not going to be the Lions, not going to be the Panthers, certainly not going to be the Seahawks. No, it yeah, it's it's coming out of it's coming out of the AFC with either Denver or Jacksonville or Baltimore, and and everybody else you can basically just say, nah, ain't gonna I happen. I agree with, uh, with Cody's call though. We've talked about this. Like I, Jacksonville, yeah. Jacksonville, I think is going to be better than people think. Like I'm picking Indianapolis in that division, but I wouldn't be sh- like if ja- if you told me Jacksonville went nine and eight and found a way to win that division, like I wouldn't be stunned. I'd be like, okay. You know, maybe they needed an Indy to have a few injuries or something, and maybe Tennessee kind of just meandered through the year. But I could see it. Like, Jacksonville's a real coach. Lawrence is going to actually be able to play real football. And while I think they overspent quite a bit in the in free agency, they still are good players. So mm-hmm. they should be – now, how, how well they sustain that, I have no idea. But in terms of next year, I agree. I, I think Baltimore, though, for me, Baltimore's got to be the pick. Like – that team had no business being a last place team last year. And even though they were last place, they missed the win the division by two games. So I think like for Denver, Denver's got a much harder climb. The Chiefs are still really, really good. The Chargers, in my opinion, are better than Denver. Like the Raiders, I think, are worse than Denver, but the Raiders could absolutely beat them in a game and split the season series. Like, I'm not predicting this, but if Denver went one in five in the AFC West, I wouldn't be stunned. Like, I, I think they'll be better than that. But if you said to me, yeah, they split with the Raiders and the Chargers and Chiefs swept them, I'd be like, all right. I mean, possible. I, I think they're probably more like two and four or three and three. But the point stands, they could win 10 games in that division and be in third place. Mm-hmm. They're the, the level of variance for the Broncos. Like, we talked about this last week. We, we don't know if they're a division-winning team or if they're just going to bottom out because of all the – holes that they still have on this team and it's still a first year head coach and it's still a first year quarterback trying to combine forces it could work out spectacularly it could also i want to say go down in flame because i still think there's enough talent there but it's certainly not a lock they're a postseason team let alone you know a double digit win team even though that's where the consensus lines i know we're wrapping up uh i know we're wrapping up in a few minutes but i i gotta just say like this whole thing with Denver this offseason about Russ has like an office at the building and he doesn't always have to run practice reps because he's visualizing practice reps. You hear all this stuff and everybody's like fawning all of this. And my, my response is like, th- does he ever like just play football? And like, do we ever talk about the fact that he looks good at football? Obviously he's out there practicing. But like, my point is you never hear like, man, he looks unbelievable at practice. You just hear like, yeah, you know, they're going to, they got that let's ride slogan. And he's visualizing winning games, and he, he, he and he and Hackett are really innovative. Which listen, all that stuff's fine and well, but you literally never hear anything football related about Denver ever. It's just all this other stuff out of out of Dove Valley, and you wonder like, is it, is it because it's just interesting and it's different, and they're going to win twelve games and it's all going to be fine. Or is it because when you actually see them on the field, it's not that impressive and the other stuff's a lot more impressive? I don't know. Denver, to me, is the hardest team in the AFC to pick. They really are. I, I could see them winning 12 games. I could see them winning eight games. I, I don't know 
where that team lands. But it's just been a bizarre offseason about everything that doesn't have to do with them actually playing football. Yeah, I mean, you know, since Ben's here, I'll say I am staying completely away from any AFC West, like, over-under win totals or anything because I, that is the hardest division for, to read because Denver's an unknown commodity, like you just said, and I think the Raiders fall in the same boat. Like, yeah, they have Devontae Adams. Yeah, they should be improved offensively. But, you know, what is Devontae Adams without Aaron Rodgers? Like, Derek Carr and him have a rapport, but they're two very different quarterbacks, you know? And so I think that – and then, you know, the Chargers and Chiefs, like – I think they're clearly the two best teams in the division, but they also have a raised level of competition in the division around them. So I think that that division could be a sneaky dumpster fire. And I just don't like in terms of like trying to pick in terms of gambling, I should say not like, I think it's a very good division, but a dumpster fire in terms of gambling. And so I'm staying completely away from betting anything in there because there's too many unknown factors that I can't really calculate. Yeah, and I even got a tip, and I'm trying to remember if I mentioned it on the show last week from from some a pretty well connected source inside the sports betting business who says that there's going to be a lot of money coming in late on the Chiefs under for their win mm-hmm. total this year, which surprised me given everything that we've heard about this team so far through training camp, through the preseason, their ability to be able to spread the offense around, make it a little bit more well rounded. Um, you know, the improvements, the they- defensive line. Karloftis in the pass rush. Um, it's I, I think it's more likely a result of a very, very tough division, yeah. more yeah. so than Tyreek Hill being gone. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chiefs have, have done it, you know, I think, what, five consecutive years, or at least Six. four out of the last five years where they've gone uh, above 11 wins. So, oh. um, Well, they, they've won six straight division titles, and in Andy Reid's tenure, this will be his 10th year, so he's had nine seasons. Mm-hmm. They've only won – uh, less than double digits once. They won nine right. games, and they yeah. I think in twenty, Mahomes the last year before he started, they went ten and six. Other than that, they've won eleven plus every single one of those years. I, I will say this is obviously someone who's also a Chiefs fan, so you know factor that in. I, I think this team will will feel the gauntlet early because defensively they have a lot of moving parts. They're young. I also will tell you what is the line ten and a half right now. Uh, it was either 11 or, or 10 and a half. I, I think okay. where where the money started to come in was when they were on 11. Okay. I will I will say right now, my prediction for them, they will win at least 12 games. And I think, I, I, I shouldn't say, I think they will win 12 games. I think that will be where they're Bump at. I, I think higher than that's difficult based on the schedule. I think any AFC team is going to have a hard time winning more than that. I think less than that. Could they go 11 and 6? Yeah. Absolutely. I think the hard thing with them is just they they historically under Andy Reid beat the hell out of the division. They just beat up on those teams. You're not look, I get the division's better. Um, but I still think in the end, like even if they go four and two in that division, they also play the AFC South. That could be four and oh. That yeah. could just be boom, 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 boom. And then what? They've got to beat Seattle. You know, they've got to beat Arizona. I mean, they that's ten wins. They gotta win one of the game, like they made the Rams at home or um, you know, so I, it's going to be interesting. It's the Chiefs, the Chiefs play a very hard schedule. My biggest question is week 18, the Chargers play Denver. How big of a crap show is that game? Like, is it the Chargers never win a big game ever? And you've got the Broncos who nobody has any clue what's happening. I could easily see that being the Sunday night game week 18. And it's just like, it's the same thing like it was last year with the Chargers and Raiders. Like you've got to win to get in. And it's just an 
absolute shit show for 60 minutes. Like, all this crap. Then Wilson wins it on, like, a bomb with a minute to go. That division is going to be fascinating. I get people to bet the under. I do. I just think with Reed and Mahomes and that offensive line, like, I think they're winning at least 11 games. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to see it any other way other than the fact that if you buy the rest of the competition really coming up. Sure. But I mean, you, you saw the Chargers – with all that offensive talent, still finished seven and nine a season ago. You still saw Denver um, with a good defense, albeit not a great defense, finish at seven and ten. Um, and then the Raiders probably played a little bit above their skis in the midst of everything going on, and yeah. even adding Devontae Adams. We we know they're going to score, but they're not going to be able to stop anybody. In fact, we were talking about the Lions a little bit before. Um, my dog is weighing in on whatever underdogs we're talking about now. Um, hey, do you mind? Do you mind? Um, the Lions kind of remind me of the, the Raiders defense where they have a pretty good line, but out, outside of the line, they're not stopping anybody. Like that's just going to be a disaster in that secondary for the, for the 2022. I, I agree. Look, we'll let you go as we're up against time and your dog desperately needs your attention. So we will go check out daily bet slip every day. Uh, heist was it four o'clock central. Uh, four o'clock central, five o'clock Eastern. Uh, usually one of, or usually two of us from the bet side of team going through best bets of the night. We'll break down the, the biggest game that everybody's talking about. Like I said, today we're going to be going over our, our favorite worst to first uh, division odds teams um, in the NFL for the season. So it should be a fun show. Hopefully you guys check us out uh, five Eastern, four central today. Absolutely. Ben Heisler, bet side. As always here, sir, thank you very much. Appreciate you coming on as always. Good to see you, fellas. Good to see you, Ben. All right. We got to close this thing up. We get, as Cody, we do every week. We'll have just kind of a what's going on in your life. I'll, uh, I'll lead off and give an example. Look, I I am very happy that the Panthers named Baker Mayfield the starter because I can't take it anymore. The idea that that was ever a competition was insane. I'm glad it's over. I will pivot actually to your world of college football. As you know, and many people know, I am not. Joe college football by any stretch of the imagination. I am casual. I will sit down and watch it just about every Saturday, but I am by no means, I don't have a team. I'm not really invested. When I was a kid, I was like kind of into Notre Dame because of Rudy, which I still say is, is my favorite movie of all time. It's a great movie. Anybody who goes against it, I'll, I'll slap down. Uh, but I, I don't have a team that I'm like, deeply invested in growing up in New York. Who are you going to be invested in Syracuse? That's no way to live. Okay. Rutgers, also no way to live. My ex-girlfriend lived a mile from Rutgers. And uh, it, it, I, I didn't know one person who cared about Rutgers even where she lived. So um, can't get there. I will watch. But the reason I bring it up is these conferences in college football, it's just enough already. I get re- it's to the point now we got USC and UCLA coming to the Big Ten can't wait for UCLA and Nebraska to get after it in mid-November in Lincoln. That ought to be awesome. And then on the on, now you got maybe Oregon's coming in. It feels like the Pac-12 is about to be a thing of the past, right? I still think if you combined all these conferences and pit them against the SEC, they'd still lose. Uh, I, I but it's you know better than me where all this is going. I will just say this: the greed that has absolutely destroyed all these conferences so these, these schools can make more money as if they weren't already making enough money, uh, it, it, just, it, it drives me nuts. Like, I love good rivalries in sports, and it feels like all that's going to shit. 
because we're, we're going to have to sit through now what's probably going to be Utah, Wisconsin here in a couple of years. I'm just and, and by the way, change the name of the fucking conference. Okay. You're not the Big Ten anymore, for Christ's sake. You're like the Big 27. All right. Change the name of the conference. This idea that you're the Big Ten, you have 14 schools in it, or whatever the hell it is at this point, drives me nuts. You're, you're not the Big Ten. Stop it. It's it's crazy. And I don't know where it's all going, but I gotta tell you, like an old man, I'm sure on the hill right now, I don't like it. No, I mean the traditionalist in me as a college football fan really hates it too. I think where we're honestly heading is we're heading towards eventually two super conferences where, you know, basically, I mean, their names will change most likely, but we're looking like, you know, SEC, Big Ten, and whoever wins those two conferences plays for the national championship. I think that's where we're heading in college football. And honestly, I I hate that. I hate that that's where we'd be heading. (laughs) Well, you know what? Fuck it. I hope they keep the name Big Ten if that happens. Just keep it. <laughs> I just I want thirty five teams in it. Like, but then that le- and you know you're probably right, man. God knows you're more plugged into all this than I am. But I, but then that begs the question. Like, so if that happens, okay, how did then how does that all work out? Like how do, so like what are you gonna do? Play like a twenty eight game schedule, or is it just you're gonna have like two conferences within the conference and you're going to play like, I, I don't, how the hell does any of this look? I feel like this is insane. I, I mean, it is. And honestly, I, I spoke too soon. I said, you know, the top, the winner of each conference, but what's probably actually going to happen is playoff expansion is already coming. They're going to expand it from four teams. Oh yeah. And so, yeah, you're probably going to end up with, you know, I would probably say 16 teams because, you know, that'll give you what eight games to grab more money from eight marquee games in the playoff. And so that'll kind of alleviate the idea of like a 28-game schedule because you'll get to see these teams in the playoffs, the ones who performed the best in their 12-game schedule. But it's heading towards a not-good place and a place that's going to make college football basically a minor league pro football thing, especially with the NIL money that's come in if that's not legislated soon. So, yeah, we're not we're not headed to a good spot for college football. <laughs> And it's like, what do you do with the rest of these programs? Like, then what? Like, what, is, is Boise State going to get shooting into, like, the SEC or something? Or they, I, it's just the whole – look, I am somebody as much as I don't care about college football. I loved college basketball. And I, I nowadays, having kids, you know, I, I'm, I more will kind of tune in after the new year and start watching a conference play. I'm a St. John's fan. It's painful. It is what it is. But I always, even more than that as a kid, I love the Big East. Right, I I love the Big East. Mm-hmm. When they broke that up, I understood it, but they broke it up. And then, like, they started to like frantically. They're like, "We're going to get San Diego State in here," which, look it up, was the real thing. They wanted San Diego State in the Big East, and thank God somebody stepped up and was like, "Holy shit, we cannot have that happen." And then you know what? <laughs> to their credit, they rejiggered the conference, and it's not what it once was, but it's at least a really good competitive, fun basketball conference. You get Xavier in there. You got Creighton in there. You got Butler in there. You kept the schools, you know, the Villanovas of the world. Um, that's exciting. I think UConn's even back now in the Big East, mm-hmm. if memory serves. So yep. that's nice. Like, it, yeah, you still have Seton Hall. My point is, while it certainly changed and will never be the same, there's no Syracuse anymore. Like, it still is a basketball conference. It's recognizable. College football, like, what are you going to do with half these schools? Like, what's going to happen to Coastal Carolina? Are they just going to play, like, D2 now? It's just – I hate the way that greed 
has just busted this thing up in a wild way. And yet you still have these people like Dabo Sweeney over at Clemson, who's more concerned that his center's got to deal with a car wash company. Like, what are you worried about? You're getting paid $8 million a year, you greedy son of a bitch. You don't have to worry about that kid making 10 grand so he can pay for his books. Like, it's the, the way that sport has been run forever is insane. My big prediction, the NCAA will not exist in about 10 years. They are going to push that thing out the door and just go with their own rules and their own governing body. Oh, it's already happening. There was a report last week, I think it was, that the College Football Playoff Committee is already discussing how they can break away from the NCAA. So, I mean, like, that's already happening. I think 10 years is probably uh, too long of a timeline, if I'm being honest with you. All right. So, I mean, yeah, I just – it's – and what you said about basketball is interesting because I don't – like, everything in basketball for the most part, you know, like, yeah, you know, you've got Oklahoma and Texas coming to the SEC and, you know, some shuffling in the Big 12 and Pac-12 and Big 10. But, like, at the same time, like – it's still not heading towards the same places that college football is. So it's going to be interesting to see how another, you know, big revenue sport is affected by all of this. Yeah, I, it really is. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. All right. What, what's going on in your life, Cody? What's happening other than being shoehorned here into stacking the box? Uh, what, uh, being, being forced into it. What, uh, what's going on in your life? I got to tell you as, so as you will learn, I am a, diehard Cowboys fan have been my entire life, even though I'm from North Carolina. But um, one thing that's just really pissing me off is people who are detracting from Dak Prescott because Amari Cooper's gone. And I think that is just a complete mischaracterization of what's going to happen with Dak Prescott this season. I think we see the best season yet of Dak, Dak Prescott's career this year, because you look at him last year and yes, he had all the weapons. He had this, that, and the other, but, he wasn't healthy at all. He was coming off that ankle injury in 2020, which was a hell of an injury to be coming back from. Like that, was, We all saw it happen. It was not it's something not you would wish on anyone. And then, and I think it was week four or five, he strained his calf and had to deal with that. And it was affecting the way he planted the entire season. You could watch game film and see the way that he was planning. It was not the same. So yes, he had Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, but that offense was not thriving because I think that you're looking at a player who is now fully healthy. He has a legitimate number one wide receiver in CD Lamb. People are forgetting about Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz was great as a receiving tight end last good. year. Very good. He was great. And so he's back this year. I'm high on some of the rookies. I like Jalen Tolbert. I think he's going to take some ironing out because he's coming from South Alabama. So I think, you know, there's going to be some adjustment to the pro level, but I think he's good. Tony Pollard is a terrific target out of the backfield that I think we're going to use in the sl- I think Kellen Moore can use in the slot a lot this year. And I think we're going to see Dak Prescott have the best season of his career this year, despite the fact that he lost to Mario Cooper. I like it. I like the confidence. I'm interested to see how it's going to play out because I, I, I think they're going to be a lot better than people think. Um, my biggest concern is your coach. Your coach scares <laughs> the hell out of me. Um, but I, <laughs> I can't argue with that in the slightest. I'm not saying we're going to go win the Super Bowl because Dak Prescott has the best season of his career. There's a 100% chance that the Cowboys win 11 games, as they tend to do, and then lose in the first round of the playoffs because Mike McCarthy's over there twiddling his thumbs and doing whatever the fuck. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah, as you guys take 18 more penalties. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, will, I will definitely uh, – I'll be keeping an eye. 
I'll be keeping an eye. A good old Justin Andrews, a, a college buddy who's joining the chat for the first time. Welcome, welcome. a Broncos fan. You missed uh, plenty of Broncos content, uh, Andrews. You're, you're late. Uh, but that, that, like, that being said, Cody, welcome to the show. Carm, we barely knew ye. Man's in a field somewhere in Northwestern. It's going to be going to Ireland. Hopefully they win because that's all the trip to make if they lose. Um, who, who are they even playing? Nebraska. Yeah, they're probably going to lose. All right. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's a shame. Uh, but listen, so Car- 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 hopefully Carm's getting comped. I-, I hope so. He's paying to go out there. It's brutal. Um, all right. Hey, thank you, everybody, for watching Stack in the Box. We'll be back again next Tuesday. Cody and I, Ben Heisler, we're getting close to the season. We got one more August show. And then we got our big preview show first week of September. And then that's it, man. We're back. We got Bills Rams September 8th. Whole rest of the slate on September 11th. Um, can't wait to get it going. Can't wait to see how things shake out. Should be a really fun year. Cody, welcome aboard, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and uh, I look forward to going through this season with you. Absolutely, man. I'm excited. It should be – I mean, it's going to be a fun season. We're already amped up about some stuff before we've seen any real football played. So I think it's going to be good. <laughs> All right, well, hey, for Cody Williams, I am Matt Verderan. Thanks for watching Stack in the Box. If you're listening, thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast and subscribe to the Stacking the Box YouTube page. We had over 2,000 people subscribe last week. Be the next person. All right, thanks so much for listening. Talk to you again next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.